just handed to me. The following podcast is a Say It Productions production. If anything should happen to me, you must go to court. You must say these words. Klaatu, Marada, Victor. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our Sunday edition of Sci-Fi Watcher, episode number 154. Welcome aboard all the new people, and welcome back to everybody else. I am Corey Charette, and joining me is my friend, Mr. Brian Lee. Brian, how's it going? Going well, man. Good to be here for another week. Are you enjoying your winter weather down there in Texas? Uh, we're not getting any winter weather. It was <laughs> nice and warm today. Yeah. I'm sorry. We, I must have lost you. You said it was warm? I had flip-flops and shorts on. Well, we'd like to thank Brian for being here on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's still winter up here. We're still getting snow. Seems like every other day now, but it's winter, you know. What do you expect? Hopefully, hopefully, when summer rolls around and it's like seventy degrees here, and you're complaining about the ninety-five degree weather down there, I can. Oh yeah, I'll have hundred degrees with you know fifty percent humidity. Yeah, I'll be <laughs> complaining. Yeah, <laughs> you can wear your flip flops all you want, then, buddy. <laughs> it won't help. <laughs> yeah, it'll melt to your feet. Uh, all right, let's get moving on here before we talk about the movie Ender's Game that just came out on DVD and some of the latest news and whatnot. Let's talk about sponsorships. If you head on over right now to scifiwatcher.com slash sponsor, for only $5, you can purchase a spot on this show or any other show we do. You know, we'll talk about a website you have, a Twitter account, blog, or you can just make fun of me or Brian if you want for $5. That's scifiwatcher.com slash sponsor. All right, let's head on over to the Sci-Fi Present, which is the news of the week, and uh, RoboCop. Is is it out? RoboCop's out, yeah. It's out now, yeah. It is. I don't know. I haven't been paying attention to it, but RoboCop is out. And uh, article over at thegeektwins.com with the seven most shocking RoboCop cameos of all time, which is interesting. Of course, this is after the 1987 film came out. And uh, these things, basically, I didn't know about the, all of these. Like, the first one was interesting, RoboCop meeting President Nixon. Yeah. Which I was looking at the picture, I'm like, oh, this has got to be photoshopped. <laughs> but no. Well, it's, I mean, it's in the 80s. Yeah, but, you know, I think of Nixon, I think of Nixon back in the 70s. Right. And he doesn't look that old in this picture. And I'm like, uh, okay. it's also a black and white picture. Yeah, that kind of <laughs> hides, hides the age. But yeah, there's stuff here like uh, Robocop at the Thanksgiving Day Parade, uh, Robocop saving Pee Wee Herman at the Academy Awards. I don't remember that. I must have been really small when that came out. I, yeah, I don't either. I think that was before Pee Wee Herman got into trouble. Yeah, of course. You know, his little his little famous incident. Uh, of course, you you got to love some of these crazy commercials. RoboCop selling noodles. You know, these overseas commercials. A couple of them. Yeah, it's kind of weird. One of the movies I've never seen was uh, Indian in the Cupboard. They have a scene with him in that. Well, he's just a little figure. Right? Yeah, but... Yeah, there are little figures that move around. But, I mean, to me, the be- the best part of that film from the scenes I have seen was the fact that Darth Vader showed up. And, you know, Star Wars was kind of gone for a while at that point. Mm-hmm. I-, I-, I think it's funny how the 80s are. There's a, you know, they got one here with uh, the WCW wrestler Sting in him. And I'm just like, ah, boy, I guess they were trying to bank on the- this movie back then. Oh, yeah, they were heavily they were uh putting heavily into the uh, cross promotion there yeah i'm kind of glad we don't see that as much today with movies 
you know. I think that last one is really weird with um, RoboCop in like all chrome mm-hmm. outfit. He's all shiny. It almost <laughs> looks like he's a Cylon. Yeah, a little bit. His, his visor looks like it's reddish, you know. It's like, okay, he's kind of kind of strange there. But the, the joys of YouTube and unusual cameos of the past. Go check it out over at our site, SciFiWatcher.com. And uh, I, I guess this Akira film is going to be kind of moving forward here. It looks like it's still gaining ground here. I mean, um, there's a story here about the live-action version of Akira. And uh, the director of it, um, I'm going to butcher his name, Jaume Collet Serra. Sounds good to me. And, um, you know, he was, he's talking about, you know, what he has planned for Akira. He said it's not going to be um, as true to the anime uh, version of it. Uh, it's going to be more, more like the manga, I guess. And uh, he says here it's different because you have to be respectful of the source material. He says Otomo adapted his own work from a manga into an anime, and both things are completely different and genius. He said the only way to do a live action of Akira is to take the spirit and adapt it. It'll be different as the it'll be it will be as different as the anime was from the manga. Hmm. So he says that you know one of the uh, the biggest differences will be the take on the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that you know I hope that I can bring strong characters in the original source material. I don't think the main characters are the protagonist. What I'm hoping is to bring characters oh jeez. So. i don't know i i think it's something that should just be left alone you're probably right um i i think it's one of those things it's a classic and can't be redone mm-hmm. um we said the same thing about robocop but look at that <laughs> i wouldn't put that in the same category as akira though yeah but i mean i i don't think i think it's gonna be a flop i'm already calling it i mean look at dragon ball people mm-hmm. try to do dragon ball mm-hmm. They're trying to do uh, Ghost in the Shell. I just think those things kind of stand alone. Yeah, and, and also the fact that they're they're old too. They've been around for a long time. They they've, they've built themselves into the history of of anime and manga. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of fans. It's 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 a huge cult following. I don't want to say it's mainstream, but it's it's got a huge following behind it, and you you don't want to mess with that. You know, if this was if say Akira was kind of a new franchise. That came out within like the last year or so. Okay, I could see you doing that, but you know, Akira is like you know twenty five years old now. Don't don't touch it. Yeah, I mean that that's all Hollywood wants to do is make remakes. They're they're really scared to, you know, put money into original IP. They want yeah, but, stuff that has a built in audience, even with, if it's a small or you know. But this isn't a remake. This is a retelling. In a different me- in a different I don't say medium, but a different uh, a way, right? You know, I mean the, the other one, you know, manga is your comic book style, your your anime is your animation, and then a well, live that, that's what he's trying to explain here is that er- every it- iteration of Akira was different from the from the first. You know, you had the manga first, mm-hmm. you had the anime, which was totally different, mm-hmm. and he's saying that the live action is going to be totally different again. You know. Yeah, I, I, I think you get too far away from the source material, people are going to lose interest in it. Yeah. I think it's just a multi-million dollar flop, like you said, waiting to happen. Uh, Tim Minear, who uh, works on American Horror Story right now, but he also used to produce a show called um, Firefly, if you guys know about that. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about him, talking to him about 
um, his theories on a limited return of the television show. And he said that he, he would never foreclose the possibility, the fact that if, even if the feature film after it speculatively failed, spectacularly failed at Fox was a miracle. And of course, it lives on in other forms in terms of getting the band back together to make a new adventure. Who knows? He'd love to do it. It would be great. But first, everybody has to, their respective projects that limits them from crossing over into other things. It's just trying to coordinate everything, everybody's obligations so that they could somehow participate. He says it doesn't have to be 13 episodes long. He says, look how Sherlock does it. I think a limited series of some kind would work best. Something like that could also work if you say 20th Century Fox could partner with Netflix or another distributor. It would have its home on Fox, of course. Then the second window on streaming, a limited series would do very well, he bets. Well, of course, you know, I think it's all down to J.J., JJ, isn't it? Is this not JJ stuff? Is it Abrams? <laughs> Who the hell no. is this? Who's this? Is? Oh my god! You just said that, Josh Whedon. Oh, Josh Whedon. They're all the same. I don't give a crap. I'm <laughs> sorry. They both JJ? made. They're both the same guy, right? They make sure. big films. They make TV shows. They're totally different. But yeah, whatever. No, yeah. but but you're right, Josh. But it comes down to him. It's basically his baby. It's going to be hard tearing Josh away from. Um, the Avengers. I mean, once the Avengers are long and gone, I think that's the only time you'll see something like this come back. And and the thing is, though, and then we always said this other thing. How would you do it? Would you set it after Serenity when some of the crew are dead? But why, why can't they do something like Star Trek? Because you had Star Trek, the original series. Mm-hmm. Why can't you have a spinoff in the same universe? That doesn't even have the crew or just the crew with some new people like the next generation type of thing with them yeah so you'd still would you would you want like you want because i think you can still tell a good story in that universe it could be another ship similar you know i don't know i I think i think what people want is firefly they want firefly season two and they're not going to get it i don't think they're ever going to get it i think they're never going to get it i think that's the problem with such having such a big main cast yeah, like they said, there's they're all doing different things. I mean, the hardest one to would to get would be uh, Mal because he's on Castle right now. But then yep. you, he's then making you, money off that. He's not gonna. He has no time. But you can get him in the summertime to do stuff too. Yeah, on the summertime, he does voices for uh, uh, what do you call it? The uh, Justice League. He does the Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. That's his his other off duty time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I don't think it's going to happen. If if they want the original Firefly season two, it's sorry. And plus, if they did bring it back, I think what what people have in their heads would not not be what we get on screen. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're older. Things have changed. I mean, you'd, I mean, would you say okay, it's ten years later? Here's what's happened to the crew. I mean, with Star Trek, did you want another, you know, Kirk after that was over? But people were satisfied with the Next Generation. It's a totally different crew. Same universe. Yeah, but here's the thing. The, the movies were still going on, though. So, Which movies? The original series? The movies? original series movies were still being made when Next Generation came out. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, so so I could see that happening. If Firefly was making, still making movies, then I could see, um, you know, I could see them going, okay, we're going to make another a spinoff of it in, in the same universe. I don't know. I... I I don't know what I, else you could do. No matter what you do, I think you're not going to satisfy all everyone's craving for this. I don't. I, well, there's diehard fans. It's a small group of people that you know. Yeah. 
it, it, they want more. And it's, ne- it's never going to happen. I, I kind of I wish they'd say, you're never going to see this. Yeah, stop giving us hope. <laughs> you, know, you know, STFU, you know, basically is what it should be. I'm surprised no one's made any fan versions of Firefly yet. I've never stumbled over um, any of that. There probably are. I just, I don't you know. You never hear about it. They're yeah. probably very low quality. It's such a such a niche audience that you you'd have to be in those circles, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, so for the people that like Firefly, enjoy your thirteen. Was it thirteen episodes? Eighteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. thirteen episodes and your uh, movie. <laughs> there you go. All right, and here's comic books. There's comic books. Yeah, they just started with the comic book too. This comic book series. So that's that could be kind of like your season two. Exactly. Of the show, and plus they can also make them younger and do prequels and whatever they want with that. So, yeah, of course, you always got the comics, too. I forgot about that. Uh, you've got some great news about a wonderful film I can't wait to see this summer. Oh, you're just gushing over this. Mm, I cannot wait. Uh, <laughs> Sharknado 2, the second one. Mm. What a nifty title. But they've got some announcements now on who else is going to be in this movie besides Tara Reid and Ian Ziering. Uh, we've got Vivica Fox and Ooh. Judd Hirsch, who are both from Independence Day. Uh, also joining the cast, we've got Andy Dick. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Judah Freelander, if you don't know who that is, that's the guy from 30 Rock that wears the hats. Um, oh, Mark McGrath oh, Kelly, and Kelly Osborne are all signed up. Oh, my God. <laughs> so all B movie actors with nowhere else to go. B, I think we're down to like L or M in the alphabet. Yeah. Oh, my God. It sounds so, are so you excited? Or are you jumping for joy? What do you, I, what do you think? I I know um the uh I know what to expect. So I'm excited. You know, when I saw the first one, I knew what to expect and it was fun. You know, oh, they also have like what their roles are. I should have read that. Uh Vivica Fox is Finn Zeering's high school friend Sky. Mark McGrath is Finn's brother-in-law. Kelly Osborne is a flight attendant. Annie Dick is a police officer. Judah Freelander is someone named Brian. <laughs> and Judd, Judd Hirsch is a taxi driver. That's so wrong for uh-huh. Judd Hirsch. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is Judd Hirsch has fallen off the radar like years ago. He did a couple films like called Cab- Cabin by the Lake. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was one of those bat- god-awful TV films, and then there was a sequel to it. Return to Cabin of the Lake or something like that. And they were just horrible films. They were like TV horror movies. It was just horrible stuff. Yeah, he's fallen off the radar. It's just... To play a taxi driver, though, that's bringing it back. Well, he could be the guy like driving them through the town or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It's just... <laughs> I'm excited because it's going to be god-awful, and I can't wait for us to talk about it. Yeah, but do you think they're going to you know, strike again like they did with the first one? I don't know. I think it was all because of the name. Now that's worn off, I don't think it's going to be as great. Well, the funny thing is, if you guys remember from the first one, there was a huge buzz on it, but nobody watched it. The yeah, first it was all Twitter buzz on the name. Which was a great name. Of course, no one's going to watch it, though. But they actually, you know, they they put it in theaters, which was really weird. I know. But you know what? You know what? If you made some money off it, you might as well make a sequel. It's not like you're oh, putting I know. millions. That, that was inevitable. Yeah. But it started. They're starting to shoot now, and it's supposed to be out by July. And I, what's the budget? Do you know what the budget is on this? It's got thirteen. Be- oh no, no, no! 
Sorry, I'm not thinking of the other movie we're going to talk about. No, I don't know what the budget is. But it's got to be low. Two million. I don't know. It's, but I'm thinking something like that, if not lower. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I always want to know, how much are these, these quote-unquote well-known actors getting paid nowadays? Not much. <laughs> hey, $50 and a turkey sandwich. <laughs> you got it. You know, I, th- it's sad that we have these actors now that will basically take any role they can get just to get a paycheck. You know, because they're not, you know, they're not a high commodity now. They can't pick and choose the roles. You know, yeah. they, they got to take what they get. It's it's sad to see that. But, but, they, but they have a name so people know them. So, Well, that's the way Asylum works. This, I, this is Asylum, right? Yes. That's the way Asylum works. Look at all their films. It's like, hey, you remember this guy from the, the from this 1980 film? He was very successful. Well, we got him now. <laughs> 30 years later, he's in our film. It's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the only thing they got going for him. So, I mean, the, the thing about these type of films is, okay, they were well-known actors, but you know what? They can act. Right, the, right, the, right. The you reason, don't have to teach them. The reason they were famous was because they could act. They weren't reality stars or a lot of crap we have nowadays. But they they're going to be bit roles, too. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be there the whole time. The ones that are going to be there the whole time are, are Tara Reid and Ian Ziering. The rest are probably like, hey, I'm here, and next second they're gone. Yes, but at least they can act, so you know you're not yeah. going to get still. Because you've seen some, I've seen some sci-fi stuff. You've seen some sci-fi movies out there, and the acting is just horrible. And you're just like, how did they make? I don't this? know, like a the guy that played in the the first Sharknado that was Kevin's dad from Home Alone. What's mm-hmm. do you remember his name? Oh the God, actor's no. name. Mm-hmm. But he played a role in Sharknado, and and he was still god awful. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see how it is. And, of course, we will talk about it on here because I can't wait for Sharknado 2. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to sci-fi future. We're talking about what's coming out soon on television or movies. And uh, it looks like Transcendence got another trailer out there. Yeah, it looks like they got a longer trailer. Uh, it's two minutes long. Um, just kind of more the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what you think about this movie, but this movie feels like it's a movie already done. I mean, it's it feels like Lawnmower Man. It feels like it, it feels her, like it, yeah. It's like Skynet. It's like the beginning days of Skynet meets Lawnmower Man. Right. I mean, that's I, I'm not impressed with it. No. I'm. I mean, Johnny Depp, great actor, but I'm I'm watching this trailer and I'm like, okay, whoop de doo. It's Lawnmower Man. I mean, the beginning part's like okay, it's it's Terminator. It's them trying to turn off to Skynet, and then all of a sudden it turns into Lawnmower Man. I'm like. I've already watched this film like 25 years ago. Yeah, I don't see anything here that, that really makes me want to go see it. Um, Johnny Depp's in it. That's, that's about it. But he but plays he, he probably plays like, what, one-third of the movie, and then he's now he's CG. If even that, you know, I bet you it's even less of that of him live action. Probably so. Yeah, probably so, you know. And, uh, yeah. You know, I'm going John- to skip this when it comes out. You know, Johnny Depp, oh, wow. But I'm going to say two words to you. Lone Ranger. Yeah. He's a great actor, but he also does make some stinkers. Does does anything about this appeal to you? Maybe the action? Nothing. There's nothing that stands out in this. This is a red box rental for me. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Unless they they put a trailer out that shows me something different than than this Lawnmower Man Skynet thing, there's no interest in it whatsoever. But the thing is, I think the reason why it may be successful is because the people 
the kids nowadays are not familiar with Lawnmower Man. Mm-hmm. So to them, this is something new. It's not new to us, but yeah. But are the kids going to go see this? Are, are the twenty somethings going to want to see this? Johnny Depp's kind of I an old actor. I mean, I don't know. It's not a movie I'm going to see. But no. I mean, so, I mean, Pirates of the Carib- Caribbean. Caribbean is more of a, it's a Disney type film, so it's kind of like the the teenagers. I mean, they're not going to go see this. And Johnny Depp is like our age group, the 30, 40 year olds. Mm-hmm. So. You're not going to get the twenty somethings to go see this, and we just said we've seen Lawnmower Man. We're too old for this. Yeah, I I, I have no idea. Um, who knows? He saw something in the, in the script, so he's he went to do it. But yeah, I'm not impressed. Me either. Let's talk about this teaser trailer that I here's another film I'm excited to see. I, I am so pathetic today. <laughs> what is this a teaser trailer for? This is a TV trailer for the sequel to Iron Sky. We reviewed that. I forgot what episode it was, but we did. It took us forever. To, it finally got in the U.S. And it took forever to get here, and we finally got to see it. Right. So this one is called Iron Sky, The Coming Race. Uh, the director, Timo Burensola, uh, he, he's putting this together. This is just a logo is mm-hmm. all that's in the teaser. But uh, they descri- here's how they describe this new movie. It says, Iron Sky, The Coming Race. 20 years ago, Earth was ruined in a nuclear apocalypse. What's left of humanity is trapped on the moon, which is now falling apart as well. Mankind's only hope is to send a small team into the center of the Earth to retrieve the mythical golden uh, holy grail. All that stands in their way is an ancient race of reptilian humanoids and an army of dinosaurs. How hard could it be? What? (laughs) Journey to the center of the Earth with Nazis, maybe. So Indiana Jones meets Journey to the Center of the Earth. <laughs> I don't know if there's Nazis. They didn't really say if there's Nazis. That's in the it. thing. The description doesn't say that, but you would think there's Nazis in it. Yeah. I mean, I mean the only thing I could think of because they said that you know the moon there's still people on the moon. And the first one, the Nazis were on the moon, so I don't know. I don't well, how know. How did we end the first one? Did I, we did the earth blow up? I think the earth I can't remember how the first one ended. It's been so long. Know. I don't remember. It's one of those films you totally forget after you're done watching it. But uh, supposedly they're writing the script now. They're shooting a three to four minute promo in, uh, late in February. And they said that they don't want what happened last year or last movie where there was a long gap between its release in Europe and, until it came to the U.S., which promoted a lot of piracy. Mm-hmm. They said the next time or for this next film, they want to come out simultaneously across the whole entire, you know, world. Well, they should be a little closer. That was ridiculous. Yeah, I forgot how much of a gap, but it was a big gap. It was huge because we saw trailers for it and like, oh, this looks kind of cool. I want to see this. You know, we weren't like, oh, I'm going to spend you know, 10 bucks at the movie theater. But we like, we want to see this. This looks like it's going to be fun. I know what I'm getting into. And then it's like, it's not here yet. It's not here yet. <laughs> we didn't even it's, have a date. It's going to be shot for a small budget, $13 million, but we won't see this for t- till 2016. So it's quite a ways away. Yeah. Who cares? It's still I, I want to see it. Oh, we're <laughs> going to see it. We're going to talk about it. We, we don't care. It's, it's, uh, it's already penciled in on our show list somewhere. I don't, we don't have a date yet, but I already have it mentally penciled in Iron Sky, The Coming Race. Oh, wow. Oh, come on. You know we have to. We talked about the first one. When I when I think about these reptilian humans, I think of uh, Doctor Who and those reptilians under the earth. I forgot what they were called. You probably know. Uh, Solarians. Right. That's what I want to see. <laughs> mm-hmm. And dinosaurs. 
Yeah, I mean, that's basically, I don't know what else we're going to get out of this, but it's going to be interesting. And if Nazis are in there, that's even better. Yeah, you can never go wrong with Nazis. Yeah. Uh, Scarlett Johansson has a trailer out for a film called Under the Skin. Yeah, this one shocked me because I did not know, I mean, I knew about this movie for a while now, and I didn't know she was an alien. I just, when they describe Under the Skin, it was always described that she's just a psychopath that kills men. Mm-hmm. Now we find out she's like Species, the movie Species, where uh, she's an alien and she also kills men. <laughs> what a way to go. Yeah. Did you watch the trailer for this? I did. Um, yeah. I mean, it, all it looks like is she's just a psycho killing men. Right. That was the other the early trailers. Um, mm-hmm. But there's there's a little bit of sci-fi elements to it. I don't know if you saw, there's like a little scene where you saw a skin floating in water. I didn't even notice uh, that. Okay, but it says it's not a big effects heavy piece of sci-fi. It's more, you know, cerebral, I guess, and strange. Yeah, it, it kind of looks weird. Um, interesting. I, I'd like to see a little bit more of it. it. It looks more of a horror movie than a science fiction film. To me, yeah, I mean, well, but she borrows. It says she borrows the human skin. So there you go. That's pretty cool. Yeah, borrows it. You can have it back when I'm done. Yeah. Uh, all right, before we move on here, let's talk about a show I do with my friend Bill Constantine called Tardis Chronicles over at TardisChronicles.com where we talk about all things Doctor Who related like news, rumors, and so much more. Head on over to TardisChronicles.com right now so you can download or subscribe to the show and listen to our latest episode, The Girl in the Fireplace. All right, let's move on to the sci-fi past. This is where we go and look at everything located in the archive, a.k.a. the internets. And Brian pointed this out last week, and I did catch the link also, right after, like, literally hour later online for this one. Um, it's a fan-made series called Star Trek Continues, which takes place right after the original show went off the air. And, of course, it follows, you know, the crew on their five-year mission, continuing their mission. Uh, and the episode that we have a link to saves a troubled Orion girl, which, is, of course, is the famous Green Lady. And uh, I watched the first few minutes of this. I'm going to sit down and watch the rest of this. But this really felt like... An original series episode. Oh yeah, it has all the. I mean, the sets, the uh, the lighting, the sounds. Yeah, the actors looked close enough to the original crew. I mean, they have the uh, the bridge there from the from the original show. I don't know how Even, they must have been hard to to do that i mean it must have been they must have there's lots of books with like blueprints and stuff like that i mean even the first scene where kirk's in his in his bed in his room it's like they did little things like that little weird like red like fence thing there that he walks around and stuff like that that you never see oh, in yeah. other stuff you got the uh what is it called what? <laughs> uh beam me up scotty what are those things called teleporter it's got the teleporters in the background the littlest details. And, of course, Grant Amahara is in this. Oh, that's right. And, uh, yeah, I was like, hey, it's Grant. And then, of course, James Doohan's son also is in the show, too. Yeah, they've got a whole episode online on YouTube. So Yeah, go check it out. we got links for this and everything else over at SciFiWatcher.com. Of all the fan-made Star Trek stuff I've seen about the, first, about the original show, uh, this, to me, looks like it seriously could have been season four of well- Look at this. I mean, here is we were talking about Firefly earlier. Here is some fans. They want to keep the show going. They went ahead and did it. Mm-hmm. Why can't people do the same thing with Firefly? They can just talk to Josh Whedon. Josh, do we have your blessing to do this? 
And well, they can probably make just good as just as good episodes as well, that's the thing. You know, we've seen stuff that looks almost as good, if not better, than the original material out there. Firefly could easily be done on the same level. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess the fans just want someone else to do it for them. Right. This was kind of cool. You got this. It was actually connected to Simon Pegg's Twitter page about the world's end. I thought it was cool. I thought you would geek out to this. I mean, I love it. Yeah. Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. Here is the <laughs> the blueprint for at, at, uh, the world's end. Yeah, this is cool. This is the scratch board where they just came up with the idea. I love stuff like this. I love always love to see kind of inside people's minds on how they create stuff. You know, because we see the end product like, okay. This is, and the, but you see, the this is like two years before the film came out. Yeah. Um, they, they said in the article, I don't know if you saw this, they said, do you see any major discrepancies from what was on screen? Did you look that close? Or? No, I didn't. I glanced oh. at it. But I just love the idea. I just love how they did it. I didn't know that's how it starts. You know, well, they just get a piece of paper and they just, broad, you know, broad stroke the ideas and just. Well, if you think about it, you need some sort of outline before you start writing. I know, but I mean, I love love seeing these processes. I know I it would, it'd, be, it'd be great if you could, like, a film you really love, if you could actually like get the behind the scenes from, from like that step there from nothing to the completed project. Right. Like how 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 does this director, how does this writer, how does this actor work on this product from nothing to what we get to enjoy on the screen. And this is something like that. I would love to see more of the steps they took to get to the finished project. Oh, yeah. Speaking of The World's End, the world has come to an end. Because... Oh, and I was dreading this one. I saw this. I had to put it in here because... It's, Billy Ray Cyrus is crazy, like his daughter. Because apparently he has a new video out. And, of course, it's, it's a science fiction-related video, so we put it in here. Oh, uh, my God. It's the sequel to Achy Breaky Heart with, uh, like, a rapping whatever in it. It's Dion Warwick's son. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's horrible. I it's, thought you would have you liked the scenery. The, the, the alien, yeah, I, I can handle the aliens, but it's just I couldn't stand the music. <laughs> you they, can watch it on mute then. <laughs> I just just edit the together the good parts, but yeah, it's just I put it in there because I thought I thought you guys enjoyed the the aliens. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the aliens. Don't get me wrong, but it's uh, Billy Ray and the other guy gets abducted by a spaceship and they start singing uh, a remade version of Achy Breaky Heart. <laughs> I was He's like, jumped the shark. He needs to go away. Well, here's the thing. I I I, I was I did a little mental math on this. Uh, his version actually is a is a cover. It came out in 1992, and I'm thinking the reason he did oh. it now. Really? It wasn't it wasn't his original song? No, the original came out in ninety one. He it was called something else, but he redid it and called it Achy Breaky Heart in ninety two. Huh. Okay. Now the reason I'm thinking this came out now is because usually artists when they sign contracts they say, Okay, hey, guess what? You make a song for us or an album, you can't do anything with it for twenty years. And uh-huh. and then a lot of artists then then the rights revert back to them and they can, you know, remake the song or whatever they want with it. Mm-hmm. So the you know so he's like okay well I'm known for one thing so I'll just redo it and uh, re-release it as a new song and it's awful and it's, <laughs> and if if it wasn't for my feeds I would never 
have found this thing. <laughs> and unfortunately, I did. And if you want to gouge your eyes out, head on over to SciFiWatcher.com and watch the video in its entirety, which I could no. not do. <laughs> All right. So, guys, if you remember back last week in episode 149, we talked about the book Ender's Game. And, of course, now we're going to talk about the movie, which starred Asia Butterfield as Ender himself. Harrison Ford plays Colonel Graff. Ben Kingsley as Mazer Rackham. Haley Steinfeld as Petra and Abigail Breslin as Valentine Wigan, Ender's sister. Directed by and screenplay is done by Gavin Hood based on the Orson Scott Card book. Uh, came out November 1st, 2013. 114 minutes long. Kind of a long film in my opinion. And um, <laughs> I don't think we should talk about what the film is, but I think we should talk about the differences maybe. I noticed they tweaked a few things. There's a, I'm kind of glad we got rid of the whole Peter story, the whole becoming a world leader. I, I always wonder if you're going to like that or hate that. Um, I, I, I wanted some reference to it. Um, like I said in our, our book review, I didn't like how long the whole dialogue was between Valentine and Peter. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to see some resemblance of that story because uh, I, I'm guessing it, it plays a role in the next book or next film, you know? Well, in the book, it obviously in the book, it, it must, but the film, it's not there, so it's like, we don't even need it. You, you Are you glad it wasn't there? Yeah, to me, if, if you're going to write, you know, if you're going to write this movie or write the book where, okay, I'm going to write a sequel and this is what's going to happen in the sequel with Peter and the world and all that stuff. It's going to affect things further on. I understand that, but I think they were looking at this movie going, Let's not open up a can of worms now that if we don't do a sequel, it's just going to sit there. And people are like, why did you do that? Yeah, and I guess it would have derailed the story a little bit. It would take emphasis off of Ender. And that whole thing we talked about were them going on the message boards and getting, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. It doesn't make any sense nowadays. Um, you'd have to modernize it today. You'd have well, to modernize it, yeah. Did you notice how they did modernize one little thing, though? I noticed that when en- Ender doesn't send letters, he sends emails. Yeah, that, that's a good change. That's, yeah, that's I mean, a things, needed I'm, change. Obviously, uh, things like that, you know, he's playing a little virtual reality game thing, and it's on a tablet. You know, I mean, I mean, certain things you had to change, obviously. I mean, but I'm, I, as I'm watching the film, I'm thinking of the book, and I'm like, oh, email. You know, obviously, e- no one knew what email was back in the 80s. I was hoping that the game was more immersive and not on a tablet, you know, like a VR type thing. I know VR is probably, you think of Lawnmower Man, but I th- when I was reading the book or listening to the book, I was thinking it was some kind of virtual reality game. I did too. I thought you were like submersed in the game instead of just looking at it. Yeah, because when you're looking at it, it feels like you're not really connected. And the way it was described in the book, it seems like it was using his thoughts. Yeah. And, and how I- could it use its thought if it's a tablet, you know? Yeah, and I thought it was going to be – I thought that we were going to see more of it in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's funny is they change it up too because you remember in the book he knocks over the two um, glasses onto the giant. This time he just jumps right into his eye. No, he – he uh, remember he tried a couple of things and died like he, it showed here. Right. But in the book he, he, he eventually poured both glasses oh, – tipped them both over first. Oh, okay. I was waiting for that. But yeah, here he just goes right into his eyeball. <laughs> when he went in the eyeball in the book, it, it opened up into another world, remember? Mm-hmm. Like, I forgot the name of the world, but it was a, they had a name for it. Yeah, uh, Fairyland? Yeah. Fairyland. And they don't, we don't even see the playground or the wolves or anything like that. Yeah, a lot of the stuff's missing, but I guess 
they got to cut things out to fit it into this two-hour movie. But know? I was expecting more of that world shown in the movie for some reason. Yeah. You know? Um, if, if they did show it, it would make more sense how they ended this. Because when they ended this and they said, oh, yeah, oh, that, that game was the, the – um, mm-hmm. I forgot the name of the aliens now. The uh, – oh, let me look. Up, I got them here. I'm so used to calling them buggers. Well, yeah. the bugs were talking me through the game. It makes sense if you read the book. It doesn't make sense watching the movie. Right. The Formax. The, yeah. That makes sense reading the book. Mm-hmm. But the way they, they showed it where, you know, it was the end of the movie and then he's like, oh, yeah, they were trying to talk me through the game. Like, no, there was no connection. One, th- one bit of science fiction they took out and I was very upset with. And it, basically the first, like, two lines – said in, in the movie, kind of kind of told me this was going to happen. They said the attack occurred 50 years ago. Was that wrong? The, the, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you why it was wrong. It took place 80 years ago in the book. Now, the reason I say this is because when he, um, near the end of the film, when uh, Ender meets Mazer Rackham, mm-hmm. they never talk about the, oh, well, you should be dead now type of thing. He's just yeah, an old man. Yeah, they didn't do the time displacement. They didn't They're, do any of that. That's why they made it 50 years, I think, so you can have this 60-something-year-old man be here. They didn't have to go do the time displacement thing, which I wish they had gone that route. I think they wanted to appeal to kids, and I think that would have just confused them. Did you also notice that they added um, uh, stasis sleep when uh, Ender left Earth to go to the uh, that place that was three months away? They put him in a stasis sleep instead of being mm-hmm. awake? Talking to the colonel about the videos and all that stuff. I just thought of Riddick when I saw that scene. <laughs> I know. I know. That's exactly what it looked like, too. I was like, wait a minute. This was the whole time when they were talking about the battles and we learned about the buggers and all that stuff. And it's just like, oh, he's sleeping for three months. You know, I, I miss all the time dilation stuff that was in the book. Yeah. It's like, did they try to dumb it down for people? Were people not going to understand? They did try it? to. I bet they did. They did try to dumb it down to see like it would get a more universal appeal uh-huh. And and attract kids because I think that was their their main focus. They wanted to be like Harry Potter and get kids into it. But if you're gonna do it like Harry Potter, you gotta do you gotta stay true to the book because a lot of the kids probably read the book. But the problem though is this isn't a young adult book. This you're is right. a book. Uh, I take that back. You're right. That's the that's the that's the problem. You look at this book. You cannot go into the young adult section to find this book. This book is in science fiction. It's a book. That's true. It's a book written about kids. Not a book it's written. an adult book writ- written about kids. Right. There is, is kind of violent, obs- obscenities, etc. Um, I think that's why they uh, – you can't though – you can't make a movie that has kids in it that is not going to be geared towards kids. Well, that's the problem too. I mean this could have been a rated R film. If they took the book, this would have been a rated R film with kids in it. And people have been like, I, I, I don't understand that. But I think maybe that's why it didn't succeed. I think so. I think the pro- they, they kind of like – and for um, the longest time, people people would say you can't make this into a movie, and there's probably a reason why. It's part of the reason. And that was another thing too: is they kind of they did a fa- they did what I was kind of glad they did. They kind of fast forwarded his training a little bit, you know, because in the, in the book he was six years old when he went there, and he was like what eleven and a half when he got his command. So five years passes, but here it's like a month or something. No, but I, I that's what I liked about the books. I know it wasn't going to translate to the movie, but. Me personally, I like the little training things that he did. Him mm-hmm. working, working up the ranks, you know. Right. 
here, but here it's like, hey, you did good. Moving on to the next place. Hey, you did good. Moving on to the next place. Uh, they skipped like two or three stages. <laughs> yeah, they did. What did you think of the battle room? Which which scene are you talking about? Uh, the big the big the very the, end battle well, room. I'm talking about the room itself, the way it looked, the big the big room where they fly, fly inside the room with the little. Oh, when they did their exercises. Yeah. Um, it stayed true to kind of what I was thinking, you know, from listening to the book and how it was mm-hmm. described. Um, there was they skipped the whole free play thing, which mm-hmm. kind of freaked me out a little bit. There was a very little bit of a free play, but it was mainly with him and Petra. It was about the only thing you saw. I know, but I think that was a a crucial part of it. How, yeah. you know, he was training with the the launchies and getting them good. Yeah, and they didn't even and, and they didn't even show the um him like be work getting worked hard like two, three times a day training. You know, they showed one scene's like, oh, they kind of cheat. They put a wall here. They're, the door's open. Something's not right. They only showed one of the deaths that he committed. You know, he commit he uh, he killed that Bones, Bonzo or whatever his Bonzo, name. Bonzo, but he also killed the kid in school. Yeah, and they beat he beats him up at school, and you know he does some serious damage to him. But that I don't even think he had a name in in the in the movie. Yeah, you know, it's like oh, the kid you beat up at school, and it's like okay, that's it. And Maybe it, one death is all they can handle. <laughs> And, and then, and to me, that kid, I was like, they got the strangest looking kid to me. I'm like, I don't feel intimidated by him at all. He doesn't scare me. The first kid? No, no, Bonzo. I know. He I mean, was very short. Maybe he, that's how he was described. I didn't, I, I felt like he, I mean, because that was the thing. Because in the book, you know, Ender was younger. So I'm thinking Ender's smaller than this guy. And this guy's like, you know, hovering over him. He's like a teenager or whatever. And Ender's like seven, eight years old at the time. I mean, here, Ender's looking down. I'm like, I'm like, I could kill you right now. Well, they, they, they picked this guy, Asia, Asia Butterfield, and he's pretty tall for his age. He looks like he's like that? 11. He looks young, too. He looks like he's 11 or 12. No, but he was like the same height as, uh, uh, what's his name? Harrison Ford? Not Harrison Ford. Ben Kingsley. Ben King, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was tall, but he looks young, too. So it's kind of best of both worlds. You get a kid that looks kind of young mm-hmm. to play the part. Uh, yeah, it's just... They they did in 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 the battles and it was I was doing a head scratch. You're showing like some of these videos of the battle and it's like we got what are we watching Top Gun now? <laughs> you you know you got these like what F-15s or whatever flying around type of thing. Like am I watching Top Gun or Independence Day here? I felt like Independence Day, but maybe that's that's how it was described in the book. I mean, it, it they didn't really go into detail of the the first invasion, and, and I didn't feel him being friends with anybody but Petra really. You, mm-hmm. you, there's the one scene where he gets on the shuttle right away and he meets Bean right there. I'm like, wait a minute, you don't meet Bean till later in the in the well, book. Well, he he um he became friends with Bean. He became friends with a lie. He said the whole that that word that means peace that uh, that a lie told him. Right, but I didn't really feel friendship there. It was just more like, okay, you're my friend. See you later, <laughs> type of thing. Like, yeah, and the then sh- the ending where they bring them all together, that just felt disjointed. We're like, oh, we bring all your friends in and we're gonna take over everybody. Yeah, and even at the beginning when he gets on the shuttle, I was waiting for some conflict like in the book, and it's just like they're sitting in the shuttle and they get to the other place. And I'm like, this doesn't – there's nothing happening. There's no conflict. I'm like, oh, I mean just, the conflict where uh, when they get into the ship and they do their launch and Graf is like explaining, oh, only Ender gets – No, even before that, when they get in the shuttle on Earth with the other launchies. That's what I mean. And then Graf comes in and says, "Oh yeah, he understands." Only the gravity. Ender understands the gravity, and and then yeah, he got picked on by yeah, one of the kids, on. and they're just like, "Okay," 
And then he comes out and it's like, you alienated me from the other ones. I'm like, did he really alienate you? I didn't feel that in that scene. Yeah. I just felt like he, he said, hey, this kid knows what he's doing. I'm like, okay, how did you alienate him? Yeah, they just they they rushed a lot of it, you know. This felt like it could have been a part one, part two type of movie, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think I think people would have lost interest if they made it two parts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just. I also missed the part at the end where, in the book, you know, he goes off with uh, Valentine to mm-hmm. these planets, and instead it's Petra. Yeah. Am I right? When he goes and he... And he uh, I don't even know if he was with Petra. Was he by himself? Because they made him an admiral and left him to his own device. In the book? In the movie. Well, in the movie, they also are on that planet that was inhabited by the, the aliens. Yeah, it was like one Where's, of the colonies. Yeah, is that what it was in the book? Because I don't remember that. I, I thought th- they were just on a on a base. They were I, well, I From what I knew, they were on a base that was just like... An, it was in the dark. Everything was dark, so... the it was hidden, but I didn't think it was a colony. But see, they, they kind of um, combined some of the story elements because you remember at the end of the book, after the aliens are annihilated, um, him and Valentine go off to the planet and find um, the, you know, the, the, the queen's cocoon. Queen's cocoon for him. Mm-hmm. But it's him and Valentine, not him and Petra. Right. And then afterwards, he, yeah, he writes a letter and to it's Valentine. It's a whole time dilation thing too that was the other time dilation thing where they said i saw what you were going to do so i went ahead and put this egg for you because mm-hmm. i know what's going to happen you're going to come here and annihilate us you know yeah I, I, yeah and it was just you know he blows up the, the planet and stuff like that which to me the battle was not that impressive yeah, the, i enjoyed i i think that part was probably my favorite part is the the battle the visualization of the battle instead of mm-hmm. What was in the book? Yeah, I enjoyed the look of it, but I kind of wish there was a little bit more to it. Mm-hmm. It seemed too easy to be to destroy the planet. I, I think it 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 left you with the gravitas of of his decision to kill all those those aliens and mm-hmm. not knowing it. I think that was all. Now, set. now the MD weapon. I thought what it did is it like pulled everything together like a huge magnet into like a big ball in the book. Okay. Didn't it do that? Like you'd shoot it somewhere and then like everything would get pulled into it and you have like a big chunk of metal or something from the ships. It might have been. I thought it was like that. My memory is hazy on the on the MD weapon. But like here, it's just like it annihilates everything in sight. I mean, it's just a powerful weapon, it seems. Yeah. And and the whole thing about um, protect the ship where Petra has the this MD weapon mm-hmm. and you have these drones and those drones have been wiped out. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Is that did did they do that in the book? Did they have all those drones? I don't remember the drones. Okay. It seemed like it seemed like the, the what they did in the book, the the formation was different than what the movie was. Yeah. It, I don't know. I, I all in all, I have to say it's a poor interpretation of the book. It is. But the problem is though, because you, you couldn't really make a movie in two hours of the book. Yeah. I'm glad they took the whole Peter thing out. They they almost could have taken Peter out of the movie completely. You really? Uh, I think they wanted to leave him in there just in case they use him in the in whatever sequel if they get a sequel. And, and they, I think that that isn't that what the next story uh, alludes to, or I think so. I I didn't look online to see what the next story is about, but I, that's what it feels like. 
you know, because he sounds like he's the leader of the world now, and it's like so many years later. Mm-hmm. You know, he's older and stuff like that. But I, I don't, I don't know. Um, this uh, and, and this thing too, they didn't even hint about the um, spying on Ender thing, because you know, when uh, the Colonel takes Valentine to the lake, it's like here, talk to Ender, and that's it. There's no like, are you going to listen to us? I don't want you listening to us type of things. Mm-hmm. No, it's just like here's Ender. It's like he's only been there a day or two because before he's like there for months. He built the raft himself, and you know that whole thing is just blown over. It's like nobody even notices it anymore. It's just like he's it's like just there waiting for. It. It's like hey, how you doing? I think it's it's the time they had to fit it in two hours. Yeah. All right. So, what do you think of this? Okay, let's let's look at it from this way. What did you think of this? If you've never read the book, what did you think of the movie? It's really, it's hard to say. I can't really say that with now I, I've read the book. I felt like the movie was rushed. Yeah. Even if not looking at the book, I felt like the movie was rushed. Mm-hmm. And then after, then reading the book and looking at this, I felt like they dumbed it down a little bit. I, I wanted the time dilation stuff. I love stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like oh, let's change the years to 50 years so you know, Ben Kingsley can play the part without having to explain why he's not dead. The, the videos, there was no tampering of the videos. They just watched the videos over and over again. They, okay, that one whole scene where he ejects from the ship and there's some reflection on his thing or whatever like that. Right. That's a little, that's, that's, that's pulling, pulling hairs, but they didn't, you know, that was the only video they ever showed and, and no one questions like, it looks like it could be edited or anything like that. And I wonder why they gave this to a director that has no kind of pedigree at all. I'm looking at his other directorial credits. The only thing that stands out is X-Men Origins Wolverine, which was a horrible movie. Oh, jeez. I don't know. I really don't. Maybe it was money factor. I mean, think about it. special effects must have cost a lot. Harrison Ford, Ben Kingsley. There you go. Yeah, and, but if you had gave given this to a director like even um, uh, J.J. Abrams or uh, just someone that has some sci-fi background, it probably would have come out a lot better. But but he all, not only did he direct it, he wrote the screenplay. So you would think it would be easier for him to make this film because he wrote the screenplay and now he knows what he's going to put on screen. I don't know. Maybe he didn't get the gravitas of the book. Maybe he didn't really read the book in detail or is a fan now, of the book at all. I did enjoy Harrison Ford's character. I think he, he epitomizes graph. Yeah. When I was reading the book, I was imagining Harrison Ford doing it and it came out perfect. The voice probably, I mean, we both, we both listened to the audiobook, and the guy who did the audiobook sound a lot like Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that came out obviously before the 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 movie did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, what did you think of the the guy who acted as as uh, Ender? Think he did a good job? Or? I think he did a good job. Yeah. I think if they had gone with the book and had him too young, it would have been awkward. You know, like a real six year old. You mean? Yeah, or you know, I think it it was better that you had a sixteen year old who kind of looked like he could be eleven. So you get well, the maturity I mean, that's, part. That's the age he ends up, right at the very end. Yeah, but you get well, the maturity. But you get the maturity of a sixteen-year-old with the looks of an eleven-year-old. So it works out that way because Ender in the book felt more mature than he really is. Yeah. The one thing that kind of irked me, I guess, because my military, you know, being in the Air Force and stuff, it seemed like everyone was kind of lax. You know, you you know, oh, here comes the colonel. Okay, but there's like, you know, hey, Ender, I know you're, I know you're a colonel now or a captain or whatever you are, but we're just gonna call you Ender, like you're my buddy. <laughs> like okay the colonel's right there you'd get your 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 butt ripped apart if, if you did that yeah like okay i don't know would you would you see the sequel if there is a sequel no 
No. I think that I think this was too weak on its own. And uh I would not watch the sequel. I mean I don't first of all I don't think there would be a sequel because I don't think you could get Harrison Ford and Ben Ben Kingsley to come back at all. And to me I don't know if they're in the sequel because see they're they're older so they could they could be dead by the time but, but Graft also went with well see the problem is they change it. In the in the book, Graft went with Valentine and Ender to that colony. Oh, did they? I forgot. Okay. Yeah. So they were there on the colony. So that that could work, but I don't know. I think I think if you try to make a sequel, it's not going to work. I think this film, that film's dead in the water now. Yeah, so um, out of five stars, how would you rate this film? I would have to say two and a half. Yeah, right down the middle. It's an, it's an average film, but if I was one of the people out there looking at Redbox, I'd, I'd probably call this a pass. But, I mean, like you were asking me before, if I had not read the book, it's, it's a halfway decent film. Yeah, but but judging it by the book, it doesn't live up to it. But it still feels like it's rushed, even as a film alone. Yeah, there's really not enough meat in there at the beginning to to make me want to watch the whole film. Yeah, because it it jumps right in there. At, That's what I like. I like the fact. I like the fact that at the beginning it shows like the battle going on, and fifty years ago, I'm like, okay, that's a good way to start it off. But then it just like dies off after that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's our thoughts on Ender's Game. Of course, you can also check out episode 149 and hear our thoughts on the book. Uh, got a ton of stuff coming up. Helix, Space Dandy, of course, Almost Human. Thursday, we will be talking about a Red Dwarf Lost episode called Identity Within, so make sure you subscribe to the feed. And next Sunday, I can't wait, we're going to talk about the movie Gravity coming out on DVD. Gravity. It's going to be fun. Of course, I want to thank my friend Brian Lee for being here. And Brian, where can we find you online? Uh, you can always find me on Twitter. It's at Brian Says. Of course, we're over at SciFiWatcher.com. You can email us feedback at saveproductions.com or drop us a voicemail at 813-915-6390, facebook.com slash sci-fi watcher, google.com slash plus sci-fi watcher, and of course at Twitter at sci-fi watcher. I want to thank everyone out there for downloading this week's episode, and until next time, have a good one. (laughs) 